Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Tooele Happy Hour podcast starring Jared Anderson and David Weiss. Today's guest, running for Congressional District 2 as an independent, Joe Buckman. Joe, can you introduce yourself to our audience, please? Hey, it's good to be on with you. I, uh, I, uh, gosh, where do I even start? I'm the, the past chair of the Libertarian Party of Utah. It's my third uh, campaign for the United States House. The first is an unaffiliated candidate, largely because the, the issue that I'm speaking to really transcends all political parties. And that, that is releasing anyone in the United States government or military contractors and the like from any non-disclosure agreements that would prevent them from giving testimony about waste, fraud, criminal activity, or humanity's engagement with a non-human intelligence. Now, I've been running on this for 15 years. That was on the front page of the Park City record all the way back in 2008 during my first campaign. It came up in seven debates with uh, then-Mayor um, of Provo, John Curtis, and now Congressman Curtis. Uh, and now I decided to really amp that up for a couple of reasons we can talk about in a moment. But I find some of the evidence uh, that there is a non-human intelligence engaging uh, humans uh, around the earth to be compelling. I don't have any proof of that. I'm not a contactee. I'm not an experiencer. I haven't seen what some would call a, a UFO in the sky. But I have had friends uh, both in the Pentagon and at NASA and others uh, who I know have non-disclosure agreements about this issue. And maybe it's a selfish motive. I, I want them to be able to talk. But it's far beyond that. On July 26th, the United States House Oversight Committee uh, held a hearing with three military witnesses uh, who testified to seeing clearly non-human created craft, no nothing that our adversaries could do, nothing that a human body could survive based on the way it performs. Uh, uh, diving down under the sea, taking off through the atmosphere, uh, apparently never needing to refuel, unlike our best technology, which has to go back for more gas every, I don't know, X number of minutes, a couple hours at most. These things stay around for days and then apparently fly off into space. Uh, and also, uh, in the case of David Grush, uh, saying he had uh, the ability to name names and, and locations where the United States government has multiple non-human created interstellar craft, including uh, the bodies of apparent pilots. That was extraordinary testimony. Uh, coming up in December, there is a um, National Defense Authorization Act. It comes up every year. Uh, Senator Schumer, so this is bipartisan, uh, uh, introduced language into that bill uh, asserting congressional eminent domain, eminent domain over any craft, any technology, any photographs, any documents and witnesses uh, with the deadline to either turn that over uh, to Congress or suffer the consequences of failing to do so. That's extraordinary language. Senator Warner over in the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, has been apparently preparing to hold hearings after that language is passed early next year. And I think perhaps by this time, in the middle of a, a presidential election that may be unlike any other, uh, this issue could be in play uh, in the debates and among senior political leadership. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I really wanted to take the advantage of, of declaring myself a candidate uh, espousing this issue, especially in the congressional district that is most relevant to the issue. And that's the one that includes the Dugway Proving Grounds 
uh, just over the hill and down uh, a little south of you guys. Uh, and that's why I'm running a PhD in media from Indiana University, MBA in finance. Uh, I bring to the uh, uh, other policy areas the tr traditional, you know, balance the budget, fiscal conservatism. Let's get the debt under control before it kills us. And uh, on the other side of things, uh, massive defense of civil liberties, the First Amendment, the freedom of individuals to do any peaceful thing uh, that doesn't uh, put others in harm's way. Uh, that's classical liberalism. It's the, the policies that began the beginning, beginning of the Libertarian Party. But no political party, right now at least, wants to touch what they would call the UFO issue. It's just sort of dismissed out of hand. I think that's changed even the last six months. I mean, we gathered signatures back in uh, uh, May and June, or whenever it was the governor declared that process, got on the ballot before those hearings in the House. So there's been a sea change on the issue uh, while I've been running. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited about it, especially with this podcast to reach out to people uh, who are living near, you know, what some people call Area 52, or, or what I believe is generally acknowledged to be uh, one of the most secure uh, military areas, uh, maybe in the entire world, but certainly in the continental United States. Mm. Well, <clears throat> this, uh, I have to say this falls near and dear to my heart. I love uh, so-called conspiracy theories or should I call them tomorrow's facts? Uh, I do. I love them. I love them all. I'm uh, an avid consumer of them. Uh, I have lots and lots of questions, lots of queries, lots of thoughts, and, and not really questions for you, maybe just thought projects to go down the path with you on here in just a minute. But first, I would like to make an announcement to all of our listeners. Um, I believe it's Saturday. There's a veterans breakfast at uh, at the uh, um, the Catholic Church here in town, um, St. Marguerite's Church. And as a part of that, there's a Tooele Quilting Guild. Now, for those of you who are like me, who has no real clue what a quilting guild is or does, that is a... Uh, a crafty lady posse, uh, a gang, if you will, who uh, quilts. They get together. They travel around the state. They have, uh, I know I've got a, an aunt who's a part of it and my stepmother. And they like to have these get-togethers where they go to different uh, stores and buy stuff. And their husbands, you know, I guess trail along uh, grudgingly. But anyways, they make these awesome quilts. Sounds pretty bad, man. Oh, dude. It's, it, actually, I have one of the quilts in the closet right behind me that my aunt made for me. Uh, what a quilt is, is a... Uh, it's a lot uh, of loving, tender yes. work with those fingers, those nimble fingers and lots of cloth. Yes. Um, Yarn, and if we're having interruptions on the video, it's because we're getting low uh, <clears throat> FPS warnings. This is being recorded, so we're having good communication. But for some reason, Comcast has uh, totally mangled our internet in this area right now. But we will figure that out later. But I am going to uh, put up on the screen real quick, just a quick snippet of a video. So those of you in Watcherland, local to Twilla, especially you veterans, um, 
can uh, partake. Can see what this quilting thing is about and see what some of the quilts look like. I'm just going to do some screen adjustment here and humana humana. But anyways, so I'm going to play the video without sound. I'm going to talk over it and tell you how to make it happen. But anyway, so there's some of the quilts on display. It doesn't look like it's playing right now. I guess I have to look at it. But anyways, so I'll give you the name of who to get a hold of here in just a second while you look at the quilts. These ladies, they they make these quilts. These ladies work, and these are all, if you look at them, they're all patriotic or, or veterans quilts, and we do a lot with veterans. Both of us are veterans. And uh, if you know a veteran or if you have a family member that's a veteran or if there's a veteran down the street, um, uh you can turn in their name and these quilts are given out if you got a veteran that's a part of the uh that was a part of the third infantry division that uh cross hatched uh quilt just right there that's a third infantry division patch anyways um if you know someone who is who was a veteran or anything else uh you can you can submit submit their name they get put on a list uh to to get that now the way this works is um they're obviously they're going to move people who are in bad physical health or older to the top of the list so everyone's name that goes on a list will get a quilt you just may not get it right now to do it you get a hold of cindy kirk that's c-y-n-d-i-e k-i-r-k you just submit her name through messenger i will uh i'll post her name in the show notes for just a simple click you can submit their name but uh you know feel free to please uh submit any uh any veterans you know name into that and they'll be giving away some on this saturday and of course next year on veterans day they're gonna they give them away on veterans day these ladies build these quilts all year long to have a smash giveaway and breakfast on saturday and breakfast on saturday for veterans it's at the uh it's put on by the elks lodge and it's being held at the catholic church up on the uh top of vine street i'm there all right and all you had to do was say breakfast yeah you I'm had there. to have breakfast okay so let's get back to the fun alien stuff all right. Well, it doesn't always have to be about aliens, Jared. I mean. Why are you going to grab me that statue? Here we go. So, you see, I got me a. You opened the can of worms there, Joe. Alien biker statue. I uh, got some Bigfoot memorabilia around the uh, podcast room. All stuff I thoroughly enjoy. I wish if if I'd have known we were going down this path, I'd have worn alien uh, uh, attire. I have alien uh, shirts and stuff. Well, I, you got the green uh, windscreen on the one mic. How come you don't have the green one? It looks like they're backwards there. I know. I'm running red today. We've got a whole rainbow assortment of windscreens for yeah. Pride Month. Yeah, that was for Pride Month, and it's Very just cool. carried over. It never ends. Okay. So... Um, and yes, we are having connection issues on Facebook. Everyone, you may want to 
catch this later. It'll be up on YouTube later on tonight. Or I, I think tomorrow. the audio is doing okay though. So so we're, we're I think the audio is okay, right. and we're recording. But anyways, why do you think you talked about how um, it seems like up until just recently politicians did not have any interest in this or 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 they ignored this subject up until this year when uh when we had those uh that guy testify in front of congress now i of course go conspiracy theory the other way and i think negatively that uh congress and the senator taking interest in this because they don't want us to look at what they're doing over here so they're going to show us this wouldn't be the first time something like that happened. I, I don't come to that conclusion. Uh, it goes back uh, far further than any particular political cycle or, or uh, uh, party's occupation of the White House or, or majorities in the House or Senate. I want to go back to Truman, who, who talked about this issue and said uh, uh, that um, um, they are not imaginary, that there's something going on. We can look at the Air Force's various projects, Project Blue Book and Grudge and the Condon Report. This has been an issue that's been around the political sphere uh, for my entire lifetime and for a couple of decades before that, certainly dating to post-World War II or, or if, uh, pilots during the war over Germany who saw what they called Foo Fighters, blowing mm-hmm. ball, balls of light. We thought they were German, then the German uh, thought us, uh, they were ours, uh, according to documents that recovered after uh, Germany was occupied. Uh, uh, Gordon Cooper, uh, the last human being to orbit the Earth alone uh, on the last Mercury mission, probably the last human being to ever do that, um, uh, reported seeing Foo Fighters at the time he was a pilot during World War II. And then also when he was out at Edwards Air Force Base, uh, they were doing missile tests and saw lenticular shaped craft circling a missile test, shooting a beam of light. They got it on, I don't know if it was 16 or 35 millimeter film. Uh, brought the film back, looked at it, put it in a box, sent it off to uh, higher headquarters back in in D.C. And strangely, that case never wound up being included in Project Blue Book. Um, and then more recently, uh, Hillary Clinton, when uh, she was running for president of the United States, said that she would open up the files. Um, John Podesta, Bill Clinton's chief of staff, uh, the last thing he tweeted, he was brought back into the Obama administration to kind of fix some messes for about a year. And when Podesta left the White House, he tweeted, once again, my greatest failure is not being able to cause disclosure of the UFO files. Um, So there and and you speak to the interest of politicians. I have no idea what the level of interest among a lot of our political elite has been over the last 20, 30, 40 years. What we can speak to is the degree to which they've been willing to be public about that interest. And that's what's going on now. You've got some people who are out in the public, like Tim Burchett of, of Tennessee and Luna of Florida. Uh, they're out there on this issue. What, what I know from others who uh, I trust within that circle, members of congressional staff, uh, there's a lot of interest among a lot of people on Capitol Hill uh, on what's going on on this issue. And there's a lot of anger that, for example, in that uh, House Oversight Committee, they were denied access to a secure information communication facility, what they abbreviated in those hearings as a SCIF, a secure information communication facility. This is an area in the Capitol, and they're all over D.C. Even the Library of Congress has a SCIF. 
where classified material can be examined in a perfectly secure environment, not capable of being, hopefully, uh, monitored by any adversarial forces. Well, they were denied that during those hearings. And, and if you look at the hearings on July 26th, Grush repeatedly says, I can name names, I can give you locations, can't do it in a public setting without having penalties for violating his non-disclosure agreement whirl down on him. Uh, and then if we could get into a classified setting, then I'd be able to say more. Now, there's a publication uh, in D.C. called The Hill. It's kind of an internal, used to be a print publication uh, for people on The Hill, Capitol Hill. So that's, uh, not, a, the, that's not The Hill, <clears throat> the news group. Um, no. It's a different the, the, one. This, yeah, this is called The Hill. It's largely a, a, an information source for people who are on congressional staffs or follow the minutiae of politics. Well, they reported about a month ago that we now have 50 military witnesses, 5-0, mm. who have gone to the inspector general's office and basically confirmed uh, or expanded upon what Goresh had to say. So it's an extraordinary time. And what I would say, if I were going to go down the conspiracy that you just mentioned, that the whole UFO thing is to distract us from, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop or 50 trillion in debt and a trillion year in interest, which is self-destructive insanity in my view. <laughs> I would say rather uh, World War III is a great way to shove the UFO issue back into the toothpaste tube. And, and I have that concern that, that this issue will get uh, wiped out by by a war now that and when the history's written if this if this accelerates when the history's written about World War III the date it started is right now in our past right whether it was with Ukraine or or whether uh, you know it was at the time Hamas Hamas uh, invaded uh, Israel or we can go back to 9/11 in my broad view of history it looks to me like World War 1 never really ended you know, World War One ended with uh, Germany being humiliated and uh, and punished, perhaps excessively, uh, such that World War Two developed. And, and mainstream history has said that for decades. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had the Cold War, uh, and and now we have this. So for you know, my grandfather, 105 years ago, was in a trench in France, uh, awaiting November 11th when the armistice was signed. Uh, I don't know that we've really been out of the risk of global warfare really since that conflict began. Well, um, let me let me add on to that. Um, so Germany did get humiliated and defeated. And a part of that, they sent Lenin east to Russia, which birthed the uh, Soviet Union, which gives us the Cold War. But they had another ally in that group who died, the Ottoman Empire, which is birthing where we are now and where we have been in the Middle East, of course. And then uh, the Balfour Declaration, which is a, is a definite through line as to the issues going on in, the, in, in Israel and, and all that. So you could argue easy. World War I is the birth of all of this. Yeah, a permanent national security state, uh, which is not healthy uh, <laughs> to liberty. I forget who, who what you guys probably know. Who was it who said war is the health of the state? War is uh, the health of the state 
Um, I, Let's Google away. I could look that up. I believe. Sounds like a government employee. Uh, who have you got there? This little guy right here. This is Dozer. Hey, Dozer. Named uh, from the uh, Ghostbusters movie. Uh, no, that's Gozer. Gozer. Well, what what's the dog's name? Dozer, like bulldozer. Dozer, not Gozer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she weighs almost four pounds. Very cute. And and while you're looking that up, let, let me ask you. Uh, Randolph who, Bourne. Randolph Bourne. I, I have no idea who that A is. A radical leftist literary critic. Yep. So not a government well, employee. Always happy to quote radical leftists and radical rightists because you know i find that i was an educator i I taught college i I think learning sometimes occurs best when you give extreme examples to make a point it is uh one of my favorite go on since it's veterans uh uh, day coming up um uh, tell me about your service where were you guys what what divisions of the Defense uh, organization here in the United States. We were part of Army, Navy, Air Force. I was Army. He was Air Force. Um, and you get along. I yeah. Army and Air Force got along. Yeah, well, you know, I mean. I give him a few crayons. He colors. Yeah. Well, that's the Marines. The Army, we play with markers. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> markers well, and thing, I, I want to say sincerely, when I was a little kid, I remember the Cuban mi- Missile Crisis. I, w- I was about four. Mm-hmm. And uh, because my mother told me the world was coming to an end and, and that'll get your attention and, and cause a lifelong memory. Uh, my mother's greatest fear was I would die in World War Three because my grandfather fought in World War One. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad fought in World War Two. They were both supply sergeants in the army. And, um, uh, you know, I used to think, wow, yeah, I dodged a bullet. Right now, I'm not so sure that my mother may not be proven correct. I may yet die in World War Three. Yeah. Or, well, hopefully die. Uh, hopefully not die at all with World War III attached, but um, there's a good chance you might die during World War III, and there's a definite argument to be made that we have been in a constant state of World War since uh, 1914. Yeah. It'd be easy to say the United States has spent zero time since 1914 engaged with uh engaged in trading lead with another country we have spent zero time it's both blood and dollars right so even when the war was not hot look at all the spending that went into building what we would today consider i hope relatively primitive nuclear weapons nuclear missiles shipping them off to europe in the 1950s trying to develop extraordinarily expensive uh command and control facilities to keep those things from being captured by an adversary or going off accidentally or going off because of a lightning strike. Uh, Just an untold treasure has been wasted on non-productive defense and and, and offensive uh, strategies by the United States. Not all of which I would criticize, but boy, if you could have had a world at peace Imagine what that wealth could have done to lift up all of humanity. Can, can you have a world at peace with government? I don't know. I've said it many times. Imagine if Boeing was building cars, what our cars would be like. One, they'd probably fly. I mean, that's how you reach the Jetsons. But instead, we build things that travel fast and go pop, and then that yeah. money is just disintegrated. Um, 
you guys may know better than me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there are 12,000 nuclear missiles. I assume they're all hydrogen bombs or the equivalent I, destructive power pointed at us right now. I would 12, have 000. no clue. I, I would have no clue. Um, but that's that that's sounds like that there. might be a low number. I'll be honest. Yeah. I don't uh, know that they publicly report the real number, but well, that's what's out there. Or how would they really honestly know? I mean, who counts? Yeah. But my my thoughts on it are, I mean, you look at it, even so, even during those times when we weren't in active hot war, of course, we had Smedley Butler down in the Central America between the the World War One and World War Two. He wrote a pamphlet on it. Um and then you come after that, uh, Panama, Honduras, Grenada, Somalia, Kosovo. Uh, there's not a time when we are not engaged with the exchange of precious metals. You know, lead, brass, copper jackets, things like that. We're always, and it's it seems awful destructive. And, and as a free market lover, I'd like to think that was it uh, Winston Churchill or Bismarck who said, if goods do not cross borders, armies will? Yeah. And, and as a free marketeer, I would like to see us exchanging more goods. So, you know, how do you stop the exchange of these precious metals? That's part of what motivates this campaign. It's not really a campaign about ET disclosure. It's a campaign about trying to do what I can to stop World War III. <laughs> and, and I would like to imagine at least, but maybe I'm too much of an optimist, that, that should what's called the disclosure event happen, meaning that some head of state uh, says uh, we have incontrovertible evidence, we're not alone in the cosmos, there is an intelligence uh, engaging humanity, maybe we don't know a lot about it, but we know it's here, we're being watched, we're being engaged somehow with what I believe, based on the evidence I've seen is a benign to benevolent uh, force. I mean, you know, that they haven't engaged in open hostility for sure. Uh, I, I know among the abductee community, uh, that offends some people who, who claim to have had extraordinarily terrifying experiences. Well, what I would say to that, that is, my cat got out and got sprayed by a skunk once, and I had to give the cat a bath. And, and there's no way I could get the consciousness of that cat to realize that oh, what I was doing was in it, its best interest. Perhaps some, maybe not all, but at least I'm sure some of the abduction experiences like that, if it's happening, I don't know. I don't really look at that. I'll, I'll tell you what, what I look at is evidence from military officials and pilots, multiple pilots with coincident radar returns of extraordinary things, or Ed Mitchell, the sixth man to walk on the moon. You can find his YouTube video where he mm -hmm. says he was privileged enough to have been briefed on the fact we've attempted to reverse engineer non-human created technology. So if that disclosure event happens or, or, you know, or if there's some sort of open contact where, where there's um, undeniable video or, or beyond that with a non-human advanced technology or race, wouldn't war be less fun? Wouldn't we be embarrassed to be doing that, ashamed even of, of what we're doing to the planet? It seems to me it would at least calm it down a bit. Um, but I don't know. Again, and, and maybe I'm an optimist. I, I'm not capable of fully predicting how human beings will behave when they're confronted by the reality um, 
that in the infinite size of the cosmos, we're simply not alone and maybe not the most interesting thing out there. It'll be a very humbling experience. What do you, what do you guys think? Well, um, okay. I, I'm, I'm looking something up. I, I don't know if it would make a difference in my life or not if I find out that there is cosmic ET activity going on. And I mean, like as as a peasant in the system, you know, I'm just a cog on the wheel and, and I'm trying to go through my day. I don't want to get blown up in World War Three. I don't want to get drafted. I don't want the government to find out my PayPal activity. I don't want uh, them to discover my Bitcoin address and and I don't want my stuff to get stolen. And I and I definitely don't want uh, racial wars to end up on my doorstep where me and my wife are dragged out onto the streets. I mean, those are the th kind of things that I think are very peripheral to my existence where, you know, just those larger 30,000 foot objects flying around in the sky are, are I, they don't, even if they do exist, I'm probably not going to have interaction with them and it's probably not going to affect my life either way. And, uh, I, and, and I suppose that's something to keep in mind as well as as our leaders go through their day-to-day -day lives and dictate uh the the laws and regulations to us what see, affects think, us as peasants i think you've made a, an extremely valid point and one maybe that i've been too uh, blind to because it's already happened we, we had this hearing on july 26th just in my world extraordinary testimony of uh, almost unbelievable uh, uh, things, uh, multi-decade long program, multiple craft, biological entities who we assume are pilots, all that was talked about openly. Uh, and the reaction uh, among my wife and kids and friends is, that's interesting, what's for lunch, right? <laughs> what, what are we doing tomorrow? And, and maybe even if you had a mile wide craft park itself over the Gaza Strip, uh, uh, everybody would just keep killing each other. I, I, I have one good friend who's a, actually a psychiatrist who said, yeah, the only thing that's going to happen if, if we have that sort of event uh, where there's a clearly non-human created mile-wide craft over a war zone, they'll just start shooting up, you know, by which I mean pointing the bullets up, not the drug reference. Well, uh, here's my thoughts on it. One, okay, full disclosure, I'm not a believer in UFOs because I have seen no evidence of it. I'm a fan of UFOs. I'm a fan of Bigfoot. I'm a fan of all that stuff, but I'm not a believer. I'm not, I, you know, but as far as why maybe, maybe your family members haven't paid attention to it is that one, it's coming from the government and the government vomits crap at us all day, every day. Right. It, it just everything. I'll grant you that everything's flying by. You're not going to pick out oh this and that, you know, because they they've done that uh, it, right now. After this last uh, pandemic, we just scraped by by the skin of our teeth. We barely survived, right? Remember all that coming from the government. What's the average person's experience of that? So now when the government has a meeting, 
people will literally change the channel to any Bible Belt preacher that's, you know, curing cancer. You make an accurate point. Uh, I have a distrust of government. I have a distrust of the media. I mean, how do you even know if a photograph is real or not? Yeah, they keep getting further and further into it. Now, but... Let me add a couple of things for, before they get lost. One is it's not just coming from the government. There are a lot of citizen researchers and there are a lot of civilian witnesses who I, I have found credible. One of them, mm-hmm. uh, Travis Walton, who I've met on multiple mm-hmm. occasions. And people are familiar with that case. It is extraordinary. So fire in the see, sky guy. Good Mormon down yes. in Arizona. Yeah, exactly. Sholo, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the Hollywood movie was a complete distortion of what happened. But Jennifer Stein a documentary filmmaker has produced Travis. And, and now you can do the special effects. Any 12-year-old can do special effects for, that Spielberg wished he could have had when he was 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a pretty good documentary where they, they reenact what happened. Now, what they've done is go back and interviewed the sheriff uh, and interviewed his co-workers and, and interviewed the head of the lie detector uh, organizations who said, look, you, you can get one person to fake a lie detector test about a given issue, maybe two. But here you had six people all testifying to the same thing and all passing that lie detector. At the time, they accused those guys of murder. They were under a lot of stress. They thought they had hidden uh, Travis's body. Yeah, and then they interviewed the sheriff. Wasn't said, it his brother as well? No, it was his brother-in-law was one of the guys. They were accusing his brother-in-law of doing it. Of murdering it and hiring yeah. those guys to do it. So the, the sheriff now in this documentary says, look, I didn't believe any of this crap when it, when it first came out. You know, I just, I thought I was investigating a crime. So that, but I know Travis, it's been now 30 years or more. And the sheriff now says, I absolutely believe it. It's a credible guy. All right, so you have eyewitness testimony. But what you don't have when you say I haven't seen any real evidence is something you can hold in your hand, right? Well, we have some of that too. And, and a lot of people who dismiss it out of hand, you know, haven't really looked deeply to see what's there. Hal Putoff, who is an impeccable physicist with multiple uh, patents, spoke at a conference that I attended in Las Vegas two, three years ago. And he said he wanted to speak to the issue of metamaterials, this layering of different kinds of material uh, in a way that our technology is just beginning to be able to master. And so they had recovered some metal from a allegedly from a crashed saucer or metal dripping off a saucer. And it, and it was um, magnesium and bismuth layering in a really unusual way. And Hal said, look, we took those materials to every national lab, uh, to every other metallurgically based company around the world and said, did you make this? And they said, not only could we not find anyone who could make it, uh, who had made it, we couldn't find anyone who could make it. So why layer bismuth and magnesium? And he said, well, we had it for 20 years. And now we find out it makes a really good waveguide at terahertz frequencies. So we actually have a, a little bit, uh, and the isotopes of the metal are not of Earth. All right, well, you don't know that it's from a UFO. It doesn't say that aliens are here. But, but it's, it's um, at least in my experience, I don't say that there's no evidence. Uh, but I, I throw out most of what the UFO believers claim as evidence. I, I mean, there are hucksters in that area. There are flim-flam artists, and there are people who are psychotic or, or certainly misperceiving things. But well, it's, it's, among all of that, and that may be 90% of it. It's not just it's, that, but it's it's super fans. Yes. 
And, and, I and so I don't want to put any even ill will on them. Yes, there are hucksters. Um, you know, there are people who charge exorbitant amount of money to go sit in a desert with them and maybe see something. But I would say the average person, which I have another podcast where we talk about stuff like this all the time. And there are super fans. There are people who are, uh, who are, you know, just, in, I mean, like, uh, you know, I have friends that are fans who think that they are, who are followers of Jacques Vallée. Jacques Vallée, did I say that right? Yes. Who thinks they're demonic entities. And I have fans who think that they are, um, you know, extra, extraterrestrial intelligent life. Me, my thoughts on it are, under the physics that we know, to come here and watch us over a hundred years, if you're that advanced, would be a caloric expenditure that would be a, I mean, they would have people back there going, what the hell is our government doing? Why do they keep taxing us to go there and watch this crap? I'm tired of it. I want to save some money. You know, we make for great TV out there. That could be. A couple of comments, a couple of comments to that. Um, uh, First of all, you had said you're not a UFO believer. Neither am I. I I'm pretty skeptical on this issue. Uh, I think what people say do you, when, when they say, do you believe in UFOs? Two things. One is I think UFO is a, a term that was used to dismiss the field, right? We've all seen unidentified things in the sky. Bugs. I don't know most of the stars up there. They're unidentified I, to me. I don't so know I don't, if UFO was initially set up that way, but I think it, the word was definitely corrupted. I believe that was, that uh, uh, grudge and blue beam and... You know, all that. I think that was there to to uh, dissuade people. And whether that was because the government was doing something over here and they didn't want you to look at it or another government had made an advancement and our government, again, didn't want you to look at it. Because just like with that Chinese spy balloon, I think if our government could have said, don't anybody look in the sky for that three weeks, they would have done it. I think in a heartbeat. You've got you've got a, a, a perspective on this that I absolutely respect, but but to bring it back to the campaign, mm, I'm not running yes. on any of that. Yeah, I'm let's not running do that. on any of that. I'm running on any of that. I, I am running to get uh, uh, Congress to assert authority to eliminate uh, any illegal portions of non-disclosure agreements that deal with waste, fraud, criminal activity, and what I see as a birthright issue of evidence that we're. Uh, not alone in the cosmos. Yeah, and how fact. about go even further? How about just making it so the government doesn't classify dumb stuff? Oh, we overclassify like yeah, crazy. They, they admit to it. They'll classify the toilet paper usage in the third bathroom of the White House. Well, then we found common ground. Could we yeah. just eliminate that so we have a uh, the government, the, you know, government that's transparent enough? for the voters to make intelligent decisions, for the media to really act like a watchdog, for these, these constitutional uh, requirements of a free society uh, that, that lived here for a while and is increasingly turning into a locked down national security state. So I'm running on that. Tell me and, about and, this media watchdog you speak of. I thought the media was either opposition for a different party or cheerleaders for a 
another party. It's a rather tragic change, but <laughs> yeah. at the time of creating a compound uh, fractionalized government, a constitutional republic, not a democracy, uh, they saw four branches of government, mm -hmm. if you will, not three. That was the executive, the guy you hired to just sort of manage fulfilling the laws. Uh, the United States Congress, which was bicameral with a Senate and a House, was the, the main authority passing law. The executive was to carry it out, not a king, not a potentate, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of a secretary, if you want, uh, just an administrator. And, and then you had the judicial system. Those are the big three. But if you go back to England, and, and the founders were aware of this, and, and we certainly protect it in the Bill of Rights, uh, so there are three estates of government. But, there, but gentlemen, there's also a fourth estate. And that was the ability of a free media to uh, be a watchdog, to be a whistleblower over misdeeds by the government. And, you know, it, we've lost that to a tragic degree and, and turned to a media that's just sort of engaging in one-upsmanship on how controversial you can get to create more crazy buzz or whatever that is. Uh, but you need freedom of the press, and then you need a, a government that has those, uh, you know, uh, uh, three different divisions in it in order to ensure liberty for guys like you and me. Mm -hmm. Well, how far have we gone from that? So this campaign <laughs> is aimed right directly at that alley, saying if there are people who have non-disclosure agreements around, and I've been doing this for 15 years, back to 2008, it's in that article in the pork record, I'm just quoting myself from then, waste. There should be no non-disclosure agreement that prevents people from uh, whistleblowing about waste or fraud or crimes by government. Uh, you know, that, that would reach out to people like Snowden and Manning and Assange. Uh, these people are the ones playing that role of blowing a whistle on government. Yeah. And then on the ET issue. Now, the, why the ET issue, Joe Bookman? Well, the, the main, one of the main reasons is I, I have had two close friends, one at NASA, one in the Pentagon. The one in the Pentagon has since passed away. I didn't used to talk about him. But he was the chief briefing officer for the Joint Chiefs, right? Uh, also, he'd been second command at Fort Bliss. Also, he'd been a, a hero in Vietnam. Uh, and I got to know him, visited him a couple of dozen times over the years. Uh, and, it, you know, we would talk about trips in the RV with our, our kids and visit him. And some one year we went up through Nevada, Highway 375, the extraterrestrial highway. Went to a little alien, had a burger. That is uh, an awesome place to go. I, I love You got to go. Trip. Everybody needs to go. Yeah. By the way, I taught marketing. Uh, the Little Alien is the most recognized brand for a single location uh, restaurant on the planet. Was the right? burger good? You, you know, know what? Yes. It is, it is the definition of a dive restaurant. Cause, and bar. Yeah, because there is nothing for what? 20 a miles hours either direction you got yeah. you got tonopah yeah two-hour drive to the north and and really don't have much and then you can go down to, to uh what is that little town south called uh there's warm springs yeah uh, but there's a little town down south i mean you can stop in at the alien research center and the town around gone. there has no it, well it was there oh, when no, I, you're talking about rachel which is yeah. where the little alien is well, yeah, the alien research it's center called in, it's in, in Rachel, Rachel, but Rachel's 20 miles away. Oh, you're talking about the one with, that's the big Quonset hut. Yes, that's the yeah, alien that's research center. Yeah. That's near Ash Spring. But there's nothing there. There's no gas station. There's no restaurant. But the they little just 
Actually, they just opened a gas station there in Ash Oh, Springs. good. See, I went down there when they did that raid on Area 51. <laughs> yeah. Which was, it was just a party in the desert, which is, I mean, it was a cool experience. They had the, all that area around the little alien, like all those acres, they they plowed it and, and drug it and smoothed it out. And then we're talking a 50 acre open patch of dirt. And they had four concerts going on at the same time. And, you know, it's just a party in the desert. And some people went down to the gate, but, you know, not a there lot of There wasn't any kind of takeover. There. But, no. yeah, that cost that county a ton of money. It cost and, the and state. And it really hurt. Yeah, it hurt them. It really hurt a lot of locals there. Uh, they don't want it to come back, most of them. They kind of split the community between people who are pro and By the way, folks who are interested in that part of the world, there's a great website called Dreamland Resort, dreamlandresort.com. And these are mostly guys interested in legit uh, uh, what the government's doing in the black world that leaks out a little bit or speculation about that. Or they're really fans, you know, the stealth technology and and wondering, gosh, that was what? That was Jimmy Carter 40 years ago now. What are they doing in the last 40 years? A lot of it's drones, that kind of thing. Anyhow, uh, I'm talking to this guy about uh, getting a burger at the Little Alien. We both had the same model uh, camper van. And I said, why don't you come out? We go camping together, get both our vans. He says, no, Joe, I would never, never, never drive that highway. And his wife says, why not? Uh, why wouldn't we want to go meet Joe and Cindy out there? And he says, because I wouldn't want some people to think it would mean something that I wouldn't want them to think it would mean. Mm. And I said, what are you talking about? It's not like we're reverse engineering UFOs. And there's a dead stop in that conversation. He looked at the floor, looked at my daughter Haley and said, Haley, sweetheart, you want help putting that puzzle together. So we put the kids to bed. I go up to him late at night. We're just the two of us out on the deck. And I said, I apologize. Uh, I did not mean to make you uncomfortable in your own home. And he said, well, you got to know that uh, in order to have the kind of career that I had, you know, you had to sign certain agreements about things that you simply would not uh, talk about, no matter how much you might want to. Uh, if I were to do so, they'd find out. My wife would lose the pension, the health care benefits, all that. So you got to promise me a, a couple of things. One is never cross the border of that base. You, can, you cannot be a friend of mine uh, if you go back there and cross the border of the base. And I said, well, you can't even tell where it is. It's, it's a bunch of orange posts out in the desert. And he says, well, do you know what it would cost to fence the base? And I thought, is that something you looked up? I mean, and, and so I said, and I mean this sincerely, um, back in the day, you drove down Groom Lake Road. You got to the, the signs that said uh, access by permission of base commander, use of deadly force authorized. And there's no gate. There's just a sign on a dirt road. And I said, well, you ought to go out there and plow out a, a nice little parking lot, a turnaround area. And you put up a billboard that says, you too invented here. Well, I, I thought he was going to die from laughter. Uh, you know, that base is the size of Connecticut, apparently. And um, uh, the other thing he said is just don't ask me about UFOs again. Uh, well, why is that? You know, wh why not just say, well, no, it's crazy. We're not, you know, reversing your UFOs. What are you out of your mind? Similar conversation with my friend from NASA. Non-disclosure agreement to get the kind of job I have to have, you, you sign certain pieces of paper that basically eliminate the Bill of Rights yeah. as regards your job. And so I don't want to make those guys uncomfortable. I want them to honor 
the contracts that they have. These are heroes in my view. They're, they're like you guys serving our, our nation as best they can. But boy, if there's a non-disclosure agreement that prohibits fiscal sanity, waste, fraud, criminal activity, you disclose that, right? That you can't, you can't have a non-disclosure agreement. That would, in my view, be an illegal a contract. And then I see the issue of whether we're alone or not in the cosmos as a birthright issue. I don't expect that if that is indeed the case, if there's a non-disclosure agreement about extraterrestrials, I'm not saying open the books and let me wander around Area 51. I'm just saying, let's reveal that. I think 420 years ago, prior to that, we were burning people for saying the Earth is not the center of the universe. And there was this similar kind of, in my view, blowback about that. You're challenging the church, you're challenging the state, you're challenging stability of society. Well, they're saying, look in this telescope. There's there's moons going around Jupiter. And, you know, Mars is doing these uh, perturbations in its orbit. It doesn't make sense. The Earth is going around the sun. Well, that was the Copernican revolution. It humbled humanity. And then since then, we learned we're not even the center of the Milky Way. And the Milky Way is nowhere near the center of the observable universe. And, and there are more stars in the observable universe than there are grains of sand on all the beaches of the planet. And, and now with Kepler in the last 15, 20 years, uh, discovering exoplanets, we know that the average star has four or five planets around it. So now you get more places where life might evolve than all the grains of sand on the earth times four or five. Now, of course, we're not alone in the cosmos. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that there's life out there. I'm a firm believer that there's intelligent life out there. And just because our sun is a rather young sun, that there's probably more advanced life out there. I'm, Whether it can get here or not. That's, that's, that is my so, kickoff. But there was also another politician from Nevada, from that area of Nevada, who sought to uh, make disclosure of uh, a forward-thinking thing, Harry Reid. He was real big into disclosure, and he was not a, a, a friendly politician to freedom and liberty and anti-war in any way, but he was also the politician that covered um, Groom Lake. Yeah. And, and he partnered with others like Inouye, uh, mm -hmm. an American veteran, American hero, uh, who sacrificed a lot to serve his country, including, I believe, losing a limb. Uh, you know, they partnered to fund what became the uh, Pentagon's, at the time, secret uh, 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 advanced aerospace weapons, uh, re whatever, ASWAP. You guys have so mm -hmm. many acronyms. <laughs> but anyway, they put millions of dollars into that. And then you had Lou Elisano who had run that program who came out about four or five years ago uh, saying that uh, that what the Pentagon was was uh, covering up uh, was unconstitutional violation of congressional law uh, and, and got those videos released of what's called the Tic Tac or the fast walkers where you have the forward looking infrared radar and you have these pilots testifying that they saw 60 foot long either propane tanks or hot water heaters or a giant Tic Tac uh, that can that can hover in our airspace much longer than our best technology can, our, be, our best aircraft. They can dive under the water. They can zip out to space at incredible speeds, do turns that would, that would turn a human body into jelly. 
are these guys misperceiving things? Was the radar malfunctioning? Or is there something there that's that's worthy of, uh, of further investigation? Um, when you talk about superliminal travel violating the laws of physics, I think our understanding of physics is likely pretty primitive. And I would say if you go back 200 years, you talk to a physicist, they look up at the sun and say, well, if it's made out of coal, it should have burned out. And no concept of, of nucleogenesis and the creation of everything heavier than hydrogen, helium, and the collapsing of a star and its re-explosion, this carbon right here came from a long ago exploded star. Mm -hmm. um, so I say things like that, and, and the eyes of some of my friends just glaze over because they they believe the earth is special and 5,000 years old and God created it. You, you don't need God to have stars explode to give you the carbon in your skin. It's not the point of view that, that I take, but if you take the scientific point of view um, and you can humble yourself a little bit, the chances are that understanding of physics 100 years from now is gonna make what we see as limitations today seem, seem as silly as what we see today in quantum physics does to the physics of Newton. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I agree with you on that. I understand that my uh, remember, I am an IQ 34 moron. Um, and not at all. Not uh, in this conversation. And, You're old. and I recognize, I mean, like our son isn't even big enough that it's not going to even make anything past carbon. You know, it takes even bigger sons to yeah. make the, the bigger elements. And once it makes iron, that's when it goes pop and makes a big splash but i you know i'm just looking at it i i, I would think but i don't even want to get into that because i i want to i'm going to have you on my other podcast where we dig into this stuff i let's get into the yeah. political the political side of this okay what about a carrot to get those people who believe the earth is five thousand years old and and uh, gods and demons fight in the sky. How do you get them to vote for you if they're not really interested in the non-disclosure acts? So, you know, getting people to vote for me is, is not really my goal. Uh, and, and then that sounds ridiculous, I suppose, as somebody who went to the trouble of gathering 300 signatures, had to gather, we gathered about 700 to be sure 300 were valid. That was a lot of work to get on the ballot. So why do you do that when you have no hope of winning, right? Do I want people to vote for me? Sure, you know, I'd like to beat the other unaffiliated guy and, and maybe the United Utah Party person or whatever. Last year, by the way, I ran for a statewide office for Utah State Treasurer and I received 97,000 some odd votes. I was, ah, I wish I'd broken the $100,000 mark. I got 9.9% .9 of the vote. Wish I could have got 10, so close. So um, yeah, there's an excitement in getting those votes. But here's why you run for office. As I said in one of the debates, in 2017 with Congressman Curtis and Chris Herod and Tanner Ainge uh, and um, uh, uh, Dr. Kathy Allen was the Democrat. You don't have to win the battle for the maximum number of votes if you can win the battle of sharing the best ideas. So I, I know uh, that Congressman Curtis was influenced in those debates. Why? He told me so. And I believe him. I think he's a man without guile. Well, even if it gets him to look into something, just to go, yes. wait, what is this? I've never heard of this before. No, that's an interesting thought. But I want to take you down another path. Let's say by chance you win. 
You win. Some voting Does, machine calculation. No, guy. you win because everyone says, this is the guy that convinced me here in the state of Utah. We're going to send him back east to Congress. And you get back there. What steps could you take? What steps are available to just the average congressman who doesn't have the speaker's ear, who is standing alone party-wise, what steps are available to you to start getting into motion these uh, doing away with NDAs, uh, maybe loosening or, or I would say tightening the restrictions on classification is what I'd want to do. Not tightening classification restrictions, tightening the restrictions before they can classify yeah, something. The, the hurdle. Yeah. I, I mean, I would like to see, we got FOIA, the FOIA courts, yeah. you know, completely right. illegal, whatever. Can we turn them around on the government and say, in order for some to be classified, it has to go before a FOIA court. So, so let's be realistic. And let me start with Celeste. Uh, the Republican who's mm-hmm. Celeste Malloy is almost guaranteed to receive the maximum number of votes. Yes. I'm not sure I would call receiving the maximum number of votes a real win, especially in this special election, right? What are we doing? Spend $5 million, did it in 2017 as well, to send somebody to, to, to D.C. to fill out the portion of a term that somebody resigned from. Jason Chaffetz in 2017, I think he should have been billed the cost of that special election. I mean, he resigned after only a handful of months. Uh, and the Utah Didn't he Constitu- resign so he could go run a multimedia network? Well, he got hired by Fox. Yeah. Uh, my, my theory on why he resigned, if you want to go back into political history a bit, uh, he thought for sure that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And then he was going to be the Republican and a Republican majority in the House. Give her a hard time. I think he was horrified when Trump won. And didn't look at that as a fun time and, and then bailed for a better position. But I don't really? know. He, he lives within walking distance of my home. Jason, if you're listening, come on over. I apologize if I'm wrong. I'll correct it, whatever. I don't really know. But but here we are. Say Celeste Celeste gets the maximum votes. Seems almost certain. You get to D.C. What What is going to happen to her? Well, you've got another election coming up in about mm. nine, ten months. That means you got to start campaigning in about three or four months. That's like a five, six month cycle for members of the United States House. You you can do nothing. And the, the leadership of the Republican Party will put, uh, uh, or the Democratic Party would put either the Democrat or the Republican who won, that leadership would put them in a sub-basement to do nothing but raise funds. They're not going to yeah. be on any committees. They're not going to be able to make any amendments. The thing they can do is hire a staff that can give tours of the Capitol and deal with people who have passport problems or uh, those kind of issues, which are which are great. We need people in Congress to, to manage that. that's part of their function. But legislatively, no, you're going to do what the leadership tells you to do. So I would say the people in Tooele, you know, vote for the unaffiliated candidate. I'll have none of that. I'll also have a base. I'll also have an office in a basement without windows. Yeah. <laughs> and so down so the, the street thing, around the corner <laughs> the only thing that you you get from me if i'm in dc is what you've been getting for the last half hour or whatever we've been on is a guy who's pretty good at making a persuasive argument uh, and can do that uh, calmly with people with wildly differing points of view i believe and um you know i i would reach out to anybody who finds 
uh, the diminution of our civil liberties as critical, uh, the burden of our debt as unconscionable, especially when it'll be not so much on us as on our kids, uh, to build partnerships with. And some of those people will be in senior levels. Uh, uh, I was back in D.C. this summer and had the opportunity to meet with, with Congressman Curtis. Uh, he was very generous, invited me to be his guest for a dinner that's the only event uh, in D.C., he tells me, I believe him, that's both bicameral, House and Senate, and bipartisan, Democrat, Republican. And that's a book talk in the main lobby of the Thomas Jefferson Building of the Library of Congress. Uh, and the author was uh, talking about his book, The Emperor of All Maladies, Cutting Edge Cures to Cancer. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. And, and so to be able to talk to members of the, the, the House and the Senate, both Republicans and Democrats, and, and there I was sharing my interest in this issue. You know, could we get hearings on evidence about extraterrestrials? So when was this that you went back there? Uh, that dinner was back in April. And then I've been I've been on Capitol Hill twice this summer, uh, once in April and then again in July. And was when was it that we had the hearings? July 26th. So you may have done that. Uh, yeah, I, no, I'm not myself credit for <laughs> Come that. on, Thank take you. credit for that. Hey, Those hearings were I'll take interesting. For. I didn't make I did I didn't screw things up so much that I stopped it from happening. Um, it was a, you know it was a, it was a wonderful time. Um, John wasn't there for the Fourth of July. You're back in your district for the Fourth of July, but his deputy chief of staff was able to give uh, uh, me and two college student friends of mine, uh, teenagers, nineteen I think, in law school in Paris. They gave a, they made him seem like I was some sort of important constituent, and actually badged us through to the floor of the United States House. So the, this uh, July 2nd, uh, 2nd or 3rd, I got to sit on the floor uh, of the House. And of all the things that have happened there, what was echoing in my own mind was this nation should commit itself before this decade is out to landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. Mm. John F. Kennedy's speech. So you said you're into conspiracies. Uh, we did land on the moon, Yes. <laughs> that I don't. I okay. Another thing that really doesn't really affect us as normal citizens. <laughs> when I say when I say I'm into conspiracies, okay, the ones I'm into the most are the actual government conspiracies, like Waco. Was Waco yeah. a power grab by the ATF that went awry? I believe so. Yeah. Now, as far as landing on the moon, um. I wouldn't fall over shocked tomorrow if they uh, if evidence was found that um, the story initially given wasn't true, whether we absolutely didn't or whether that uh, director guy faked the whole thing because we couldn't get it right. I, I wouldn't. But then again, if evidence came out that it actually happened, wouldn't fall over shocked either. Well, way. evidence is out. It actually it did actually happen. I, yeah. I had a friend on Hawaii who saw. Apollo 8 light the service module engine to, to get out of Earth orbit into the translunar path. That would be hard to fake. Also, given 1960s special effects, it would have cost more for Stanley Kubrick to fake the moon landing and, than actually doing it. And I'm not arguing that, either way. But I, I come with no preconceived notions on that. But okay. my preconceived notion, generally, because... Um, our government has done some really uh, underhanded things to citizens. You know, big conspiracy is, 
you know, the what is it, the, uh, an estimated 12,000 citizens died during Prohibition because the government poisoned alcohol. Yep. Their punishment was to put wood alcohol in regular alcohol bottles and put it into circulation to absolutely punish people who broke the law. A direct punishment of the people. That is not conspiracy. That is fact. Yeah. They did that. And it's an estimated 12,000 U.S. citizens murdered by our government. Yeah, and and back then, cannabis was in the pharmacopoeia. The American Mm -hmm. Medical Association said it had clearly beneficial health effects. It does. uh, Easily for appetite for people suffering from cancer. Uh, uh, also anti-angiogenesis, uh, anti-angiogenesis properties. Um, it, it look at the, the scheduled one stuff now that's being finally studied at John Hopkins because we have how many veterans commit suicide per day? It's between a dozen 22. and two dozen. 22, 22 right now. 22 right now. Uh, and we're finding that you know treatment with ketamine or psilocybins or DMT can, can reset that. And, and, and yet we had this racist war uh, yep. on the innocent people who use drugs. Uh, people cited as starting with Nixon and his attempt to go after it was racist in the sense of going after blacks and the anti-war left. But you go back to the 20s, you know, when, when we finally did away with alcohol prohibition, uh, they had all these cops that were chasing, you know, uh, uh, moonshiners and, and underground distribution. They, they're unemployed. So they just yep. move them over to a drug war. On cannabis. And and then the AMA caved and says it has no redeeming medicinal value. Absolutely false. Absolutely false. And the the cost of that war on drugs, the number of people who are in a federal cage today because they used a drug peacefully in their own home, right, or helped others be able to do that, the number of young black males in federal cages for drug offenses exceeds the number of black men held at the height of slavery in this nation. It's embarrassing. It's disgusting. It's long past time to end that. And the cost of housing and feeding (laughs) these nonviolent, non-criminals engaged in a vice, not a crime. Well, you hit the play button on me on that one. Now's where I (laughs) I yell out, can I get an amen? No, I agree with you. you. I'm a, I am not a drug warrior uh, at heart. I think there needs to be a legitimate way that we move away from drugs. I think we need to sit down and scientifically figure that out, move away from the drug illegalization. Because right now, I think if we try to pull Portland and just say, okay, do whatever you want, we're going to have a total catastrophe. But I think there's a way that we can move this forward. And yeah. and let's not forget the government, the FDI, the FDA all allowed the drug companies to prescribe Oxycontin willy-nilly and then shut it off. And then we wonder, yeah. oh, why do we have heroin addicts on every street corner? Uh, yeah. You did that. And why do we have crack? It's because we were pretty effective at limiting the supply of cocaine. Yep. A far less dangerous drug than crack. And by dangerous, I mean not only to the consumer, but to the neighbor whose house blows up yep. because of the, the meth lab. Maybe I mean meth and not crack. Yeah, you mean but, meth. But same, same. Uh, crack, there's also uh, not a hazard, but just making cocaine's a huge yeah. hazard. I mean, I look at Portland. I also look at Portugal where they treat it as a health issue, not a criminal issue. 
Hey, look at Portland, or you look at any transitional phase. There's some chaos at first, and it starts to self-correct. Well, Portugal educate- did it different. Portugal yeah. did it way different. Portugal had a controlled system for their legal use. Portland said, oh, just do whatever. Now, there's yeah. a complete difference. Portugal controls their, and I'm just using this word. I'm not using it as prerogative. Portugal has a controlled system to keep their addicts manage while they deal with this. Where and Portland just gives the addicts the needle, gives the addicts the the stuff, and, and then lets the addicts roam free. And I think you need to have it so... And it's not uh, controlled by force. It's a controlled by convenience. Right. And, and what we have today after trillions spent on the war on drugs, the same percentage of addicts. Yep. Addicts will find a way to get the drug. Markets are robust. People want to profit from that, find a way to get it. To Black them. markets With- are even more robust than, than gray or white markets. But there, there is are. an advantage to it because your government gets to hire military type civilians and keep them well trained and, and disperse honed. them into the populace. Yeah. Where and, maybe. And we're borrowing money to pay them to do that. Right? Uh, borrowing, printing. Borrowing print. What's yeah, the difference? We're not going to pay for it. That's our kids. Yeah. I'm not sure we got that long anymore. I, I saw today where we're, the forecast from uh, uh, the GAO is 50 trillion in current debt by 2033. Yep. And, and today we have about 250 to 300 trillion in mandated by federal law, but currently unfunded future spending. You want to you want to walk down from? a funder path with me on that? Go for it. So the baby boomers are about to complete their retirement cycle in what, five to eight years, right? The largest population group in the United States. And they're being chased by the smallest population group in the United States, which is uh, the Gen Xers will be in that middle ground. We were small too. You know, I'm a Gen Xer. But but Gen Z. But then you've got Gen Z and your millennials, which will be starting their path. So they're going to be in the upside down pyramid on workers to retirees, plus this huge, not debt, it's just debt servicing taxation or printing, which is still taxation. I don't care what you call it. You can call it printing. You can call it taxation. It serves the same function. The, the, what they're doing, and, and this is what they are doing, is they're trying to inflate their way out of it so they can say, we didn't raise your taxes, but they're just inflating us to where that $50 trillion doesn't look the same to our eyes. And that's all they're yeah. doing. And a can of Coke will cost $100 in a vending machine. Maybe ninety nine ninety eight if you find it on sale. but Just for the holidays. No, you and I see this the same way, and, and it's criminal, it's destructive, it, it's the most hurtful to the poorest of the poor. Uh, I, I believe right now for every productive American, which means somebody of working age who's actually out there doing something that, that's creative and a benefit to others, that individual is basically supporting one person in government, military, bureaucrat combined, and another person who's getting some level of social relief. And eventually you call that I don't know. It begins to look a lot like indentured servitude. You're right. Um, the, t- the, the tax rate ultimately equals federal spending. You can't get around that. Uh, as Ayn Rand said, you can avoid reality. Reality is easy to avoid. You cannot avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. 
and and that we'll see on November 17th. That's the next shutdown date, right? <laughs> We've only funded the government for another couple of weeks, or, or that was the deadline a few weeks ago. Yeah. There's no serious political will to just balance the current budget. We'll, we'll still be left with this wreck of a mess of debt. But why can't we just balance this year's budget? No, that's not going to happen. Those guys would all get voted out of office. They're seen as mm -hmm. uncaring. They're seen as, as greedy robber barons or whatever. Uh, it, it, it's called austere now. Mm -hmm. Balance the budget. We, we can't have austerity. Wasn't the Tea well, Party yeah. called the American Taliban on on a lot of uh, news stations? I don't, I, I don't and stuff. remember. Yeah, the, there was that great the, the, just Tea any Party. word we can use. But no, you're you're a hundred percent correct. Which is why, I mean, if I go political, I would say right now the most important amendment is always the first, but the second is always the second, but the third is the tenth. I yeah. think you send that back to the states. Let the states deal with the retirement plan. Let the states deal with whatever they decide they can manage as Social Security. Let the states deal with all that. And I'm, I would dare say, um, if we're going to leave the creation of money in the hands of the Congress, it needs to be money requested by the states to Congress and justified yeah, through and, the states. And the federal government used to bill the states for the cost and let them figure out how to fund the federal. Yep. That was why we had a laboratory, 50 laboratories eventually, yep. of best practice. It was supposed to be competitive. Or worse practices. Yeah. And in some states, maybe a property tax makes sense. In other states, maybe an income tax makes more sense. It depends on the state. And instead, we have this cudgel coming out of D.C. to beat everybody into submission. Um, that was part of the compound constitutional republic, was it wasn't just federal, it was among the many states, with the idea that we'd have a convention, a constitutional convention, every generation or so. Well, that'll, that'll never happen. It wouldn't be allowed to happen. The, the check on the federal government by power being vested in, in, in the various states, that's pretty much gone. But you're absolutely right. If you want efficiency in the tent, and retirement and social services and all that, put it back to the states and let them experiment and we'll see what works. And then that can be emulated over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you get to a system that's actually a fairer and hopefully ultimately a fair government. I don't well, know and you possible. can choose what kind of government you live under in your direct, you know, it, it, it's one thing that the government has to have their hand in my pocket all the time. But it'd be nice if I could choose what that government looks like. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to get back to this campaign in Tooele. Yeah. Listen, if you're out there in Tooele watching the, you know, the Tooele happy hour, Tooele happy hour, is that right? Yes. Uh, if you're doing that and you have an NDA, you know somebody who has an NDA, if Dugway is really what some people think it is, which is a far more secure version of Area 51, and you believe that it would do humanity a lot of good not to know every detail. Maybe the only thing that would do humanity a lot of good is the recognition, the acknowledgement uh, by, by senior military officials, ultimately the president perhaps, that we're not alone in the cosmos. You know, that we're humanity on earth. Maybe that would cause us to just stop what seems like an inexorable path toward World War III uh, and the next nuke that goes off uh, might trigger all of them. And, and, and then what? It's like, and you have to Google this one too, I'm bad at attribution. The general who said World War III will be fought with nuclear weapons. 
but I have. Uh, oh, he says I have no idea what weapons will be used in World War Three. Nukes plus whatever new stuffs developed. But I know what weapons will be used in World War Four. It was and Einstein. And rocks. Einstein said that. I've heard that, but I think it's misattributed. It could be. It could be. Look it up. But at any rate, the idea that if we let World War Three happen, we're back in the Stone Age. Uh, within minutes i i used to really believe that i don't know i think what do you think i think we're moving to and i think ukraine really opened my eyes this we, we always fight the last war when we first go to war this lessons learned by militaries over and over yep. again i think we're gonna see more drone warfare uh advance into i think through the next 20 years and i think we're gonna see a continuation of war i don't think the united states is done deploying its young men and women to far off places to you know uh practice their skills but i think we're going to see uh warfare move away from uh nuclear because nuclear doesn't really carry a lot of advantage even for the person perpetrating it. But I think we're going to see mechanical warfare start up more often. We're going to see drones. We're going to see sometimes ground drones. I think we're going to see a lot of things like that. I think we're actually probably going to see a drop-off in the next 10 years of casualties from war. And we're going to start seeing war uh, more as cost-effective if our drones can get in, control and hold an area, and and have less loss of life. Um, I yeah, think, I hear you. Maybe the loss of life then is from starvation. It you could got be. enough of that going on. You're not going to grow enough food to feed the civilians. It could be, but I don't think I don't think we're going to see as much destruction. Let, well, let's let take, for you. instance, right now, uh, just a, a thought game. We're 20 years in the future. But the same instance happens in Israel right now, where right now Israel is sending a ground army into uh, urban uh, into mount operations, M O U T uh, military operations, and urban terrain. They're sending them in right now, and those soldiers are getting shot at. Those soldiers are sustaining damage. So those soldiers are going to have reactions that are heightened. But what if we? start building, I don't know, Terminators, and we're sending them in, where one, they're hardier than a soldier physically. Um, they may not be as smart, they may not be as crafty, but they can well, take And then them. how do you how do you refuel them? Are we, we going to have small nukes on them? Or small nuclear plants? Or, I mean, Sounds like a great some... idea. Uh, yeah. You know what? It's uh, If you... It, I mean, this could be in just basic infantry tactics that uh, Rummel wrote about forever. As you send a wave forward, they hold. The next wave moves just past them, and the supply forces come into where the first ones are. You've got a big are. extension cord out there to recharge their batteries. Well, no, the, the I, I think you're force, onto something. Well, a novice, a novice will study tactics, but a master will study logistics. And that's right. In the end, it's going to be a game of attrition, but. I don't think the game will end because if the game were to end, I think we would have done that in World War II with the nuclear weapon and advanced on Russia and fixed China. Really, I'm not too worried about World War III because I don't think the opposition or us want to use nukes. 
because we need each other. <laughs> well, there, that, that, that's we need each other to terrorize each other's population. That, and that is, that's a bipolar point of view, but how many poles are there in terms of people who have their fingers on a trigger to set off a nuke? How many nations? A dozen, two dozen? We don't really know again, right? Pretty sure Israel has one because of the Karen Silkwood case where she was a whistleblower and sending plutonium illegally uh, uh, over to the Israelis. Uh, India's got nukes, I believe Pakistan, France, of course, England, Yep. Uh, the Five Eyes, all that. I don't trust all these crazy people, no, nor do I trust the command and control to guarantee that one's not going to off. But boy, I'd like to have all 12 of them dismantled. Are, are yeah. you guys familiar, by the way, with uh, Robert Salas, the missileer uh, from Maelstrom, who reported that when, when he was there in the 1960s, they got a call from on top that a classic flying saucer was up there, and then they watched all the flights of missiles go offline. He's oh, yes, yes. Nukes. I am so familiar with that. He's been trying to get uh, before a committee in Congress for 25 years. It's, it's uh, like it shot it with lightning and made yeah, it do that. A, a beam of lightning, if you believe the guys at Rendlesham, uh, so, yep. so I was part of organizing the citizen hearing on disclosure and Nick Pope was there. Senator Mike Gravel was one of the retired members uh, of the Congress that we had hired. And, and so Senator Gravel says to Nick Pope, who'd worked with the Ministry of Defense in, in Great Britain. Uh, so come on, Nick, mano a mano. We had American nukes in Great Britain. And Nick said, you know, I checked with the department and I can neither confirm nor deny. And the Senator Gravel goes, come on, Nick, can you confirm or deny. I mean, this is an obvious fact. Nick says, well, I would refer you to the comments of Lord so-and-so who said blah, 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 blah. And he says, so you just wasted five minutes of our time going around a circle. We had nukes, you know, in violation of treaties, and we lied about having them, and they were there. So they're there in these concrete bunkers uh, in Great Britain outside of the Rendlesham Forest. And a, a couple of nights around Christmas, multiple nights, this is some of the best military people on the planet are stationed there. They see these craft that keep you know coming and going and interacting, and apparently one of them shot a beam of light that went through the concrete like it was a window and let up lit up the interior room that had no mm -hmm. windows. Uh, incredible uh, stuff like that. So Dave, uh, David Fravor, the pilot, was asked in that hearing on July 26th. So the craft that you observed, the tic tac thing, uh, violated the laws of physics. And I thought his response was great. Nothing violates the laws of physics. It only violated the laws of physics as we understand them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you and I could agree we don't understand all the laws of physics. Oh, yeah. There's so, no doubt. Yeah, there's a lot. Ten years to ago, it. we know more now than 10 years ago. We're pretty sure 10 years from now, we're going to know more. And who knows what the classified world knows that they haven't revealed, perhaps for good reasons. You know, um, are you into the zero point energy stuff too? Is that one of your conspiracy uh, theories you find? I said a few minutes ago, I am a sponge, but I'm retarded. Well, I'm not, not supposed at all. to say that anymore. Oh, come I on. Am... You know that our star isn't big enough to create iron? That That's a rare fact. <sighs> yeah. Simple. Well, uh, that's what they told him. One of my favorite <laughs> stories is the guy that invented the periodic table. I forget his name. How he knew there was missing elements, so he left those areas blank for future people that could figure it out. I do have a comment I want to read, though. We got a comment coming in from Carl. He says, I was driving, 
So I couldn't make the comment, but I have a buddy at work that says he's been abducted multiple times and has lost days. That is a, that's a lot to chew on. Um, I don't throw it out with. Uh, I don't either. Prejudice. I don't know what to make of it. I wish it would happen to me. I guess, and maybe it has. I, I do not remember. I, I practice Kegel foo religiously. I do not want it to happen to me. Um, you know, I, I do want to talk about aliens, but not the kind of aliens that we're talking about currently. So one of the fascinating things about the libertarian candidates that most conservatives will will spar back and forth with me about is their open border ideas. Um, and, and they say, you know what, I love the libertarian candidates, but they want to open the borders or they have some crazy ideas about border security or no border security at all. So Joe, for those conservatives out there listening to you, considering which the is vote, most of our audience, which is yes, mostly conservative and Republican. I myself am an independent. Dave is a Republican, um, and I've told the Republicans you can buy me over the minute you quit trying to squash First Amendment or doing anything like that. I can sign up, but I'm an absolutist on these things. But anyway, I think it's. I think it's unfair to, to characterize or mischaracterize libertarian candidates as being for open borders. There's more to it than that. But I mean, we all resonate. I hope we all do with the sentiment carved in stone at the base of the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your hungry, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. This nation was an island of that in a world of tyrants and starvation and punishment for productivity and intellectualism we're the opposite of that i would like a world where there you know there are no borders a world at peace but what you can't have is a welfare state with open borders that that's going to lead to starvation right you punish productivity uh, and with open borders with entitlements to health care and education and transportation and food and clothing and all all these things that are seen as rights what are called positive rights uh, I just got a letter from a charity I support. Housing is a human right. I'm like, oh, dear. Uh, you don't have the Who right. Who provides there, it? Yeah, there are no rights that require the labor of another human being for you to have them. Yep, that, that, 100%. And in, its, and in its extreme, that is slavery. And I, I will tell you, I had a conversation with a chair of the Libertarian National Committee, former chair. And he said, you know, here's what I tell people. What's that? Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh not Skousen. Um, I forget his name. Uh, well, currently we have Angel McArdle. Before that, it was yeah. uh, Nick Sarwak. Yeah, Sarwak. No. no, this was before Nick. Oh, okay. Red Path. Uh, this was Jeff Neal out of Texas. He's on Border State. He says, here's what I tell people, libertarians, who say, we got to get rid of the borders. You know, welcome everybody. Okay, let's welcome everybody. Welcome on in. What if they're wearing a uniform? Yeah. So let them all in? Yeah, let them all in with uniforms. All right, well, in America, we got the Second Amendment. If they've got a gun, we're going to welcome in with a uniform and a gun? You see where I'm going? Yep. Well, of course we're not for open borders, right? You don't allow an army in. All right, well, what if the army decides to hide its gun and not be uniform? Or whatever. I mean, so the, it is a matter of discussion. I think philosophically, libertarians would say individuals, humans— 
uh, are born with inalienable rights. And one of those rights is to walk peaceably on the earth and not be confined to some small corner of it, that sense of open borders. But the United States is now a, a you know, largely a, a welfare state with a lot of positive rights that require the labor of others, or you have penalties, try not paying your voluntary income tax. You cannot have open borders with that. But what we do want to continue to welcome is people who are coming here seeking to work and provide and innovate. And I'll tell you what, in my experience of, of shopping, I'd rather have a recent immigrant to the United States trying to provide a good or service to me than our typical third or fourth or 10th generation, you know, American. I was in a, a Home Depot the other day and I was wondering, it was around Halloween, were they all playing the role of zombies? I mean, our, our immigrants by and large are some of the hardest working people. But, but you can't uh, have, a, have an open border without some sort of vetting and in, in, in communicable diseases or, or for whether these are people who, who do not have the best interest in the United States at heart. It's just insanity. So I'm I not agree. that kind of a libertarian who just blindly says open all the borders. Can I take I a minute and express, yeah. uh, I know we've done it on this show before, positive versus negative rights. Negative rights are rights that you can attain for yourself. That means nobody has to provide that right for you. Positive rights are rights that someone else has to provide. I am against positive rights because at the end of the day, if a right is guaranteed to you by someone else, and if the government chooses to make sure that someone else enforces that right, it is slavery. It is. Simple as and that. It's extreme. Here's, the, here's the thing I would add to it. I want a libertarian party or a culture where if you're not given to charity and you're not making sure every kid in your neighborhood is fed, that nobody's there starving to death and nobody's left out in the cold, if you're not doing that voluntarily, then, then I'm all for, uh, uh, you know, uh, bringing that to the attention of other people in the community. We, we all ought to be engaged in caring for others uh, voluntarily. It's good for our souls. It's, it's good for our relationship with other people. It's good for our own sense of who we are. And, and, and we need that to happen. But today, with a 50% tax rate uh, on people who are actually producing, it's roughly that, income, sales, property, add uh, all that together. More like 58%, I think, is the last time someone crunched the numbers for you. Who's counting? And so, <laughs> so you say, hey, it's handled. There's somebody starving on the street. I don't need to do anything. It's handled. Well, it's not just that, with a 58% tax rate. Most people don't have enough left over to help anyone. Well, I mean, you can help by inviting people into your home or, yeah. or giving an old blanket. <laughs> if if you have one of those magical, mystical things called a it's home. It's called a home. <clears throat> yeah, because a All lot right. of people might have a studio apartment working their 50-hour-a-week job. Because yeah. another thing the government has done is decided to regulate us out of building more homes. You know, and then print us into where they have to raise the inflate or the interest rate to where now to, you you know, the average person cannot get a loan for a home. Tried walking through with my son earlier. He makes uh, he makes an above average wage, and he cannot 
afford any home that's on the market in this county at this time. Wow. Wow. I, you know, I can't solve every problem in the world. No. Nope. One of 525 guys and gals or men and women, uh, uh, unless there's a few aliens mixed in in the house. But the one thing I can do is, is in running for this office is try to bring awareness about the good that I think would happen if we eliminated illegal non-disclosure agreements on those four areas I keep returning to, but especially on, on any uh, uh, testimony that can be given with high uh, credibility that's compelling around the fact that we're not alone in the cosmos. Maybe that would cause us to stop wasting so much of those tax dollars on, on the just destructive nature of war and preparing for war. Think of the cost of all those nukes that we built. And, and I hope you're correct, they'll never be used. What good would that have done without spending all the money on that? We're talking trillions of dollars. Well, I should, um, I should preface that. I think there's a chance that if Russia goes into collapse time, there might be a chance that it'd be used. And I just don't think it would be used uh, in any kind of strategic well, way because it gains no value. It makes land that you can't even send your infantry in to hold. Yeah. It makes land you can't farm, you can't use for future use. You have to set aside for so long. It, it, I think. What? I think land is land is becoming land is back on the table as being a valuable commodity in warfare. Land for its usable purposes. You know. <laughs> You keep uh, denigrating yourself, but you have some of the most insightful comments I've heard on any interview I've given in, in this campaign. Well, I'm not a media I'm, person, so... It's, well, I'm, I'm it's, learning from it. Um, I, I think we also need to make the listeners and others aware that we're not talking about the nukes that were we bombed in New Mexico. I don't like to call it a test. We knew people were uh, hurt from the fallout there and covered that up. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the nukes, uh, Nagasaki and, and Hiroshima... These were cities that hadn't been bombed because we wanted to see the effect of the nuke on a city that hadn't been bombed, which means by definition at that part of the war, these were not uh, military targets. I think also we wanted to show Stalin what we had made. So those were very modest in terms of yield. And then we started experimenting with hydrogen bombs. And, uh, you know, we actually uh, killed Japanese citizens on three occasions, not two, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, and then that hydrogen bomb that had the greater yield than they had thought it would have. And we had Japanese fishermen outside of the, the safe zone. They were far enough away, but then the, the yield was so much higher that we actually killed some Japanese fishermen in 1954. We've done it three times. Is that a bikini? I forget the name of well, the test. I, just I what we did it. to the residents of Bikini Atoll? Oh, yeah. 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 But I'm just talking about the nation of Japan. Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and then we did it again accidentally, I believe, mm -hmm. because of the yield being higher, uh, the way we poisoned the earth with all the nuclear uh, testing uh, was horrifying. What was the, the the big one the Russians set off? Oh, actually, yeah. actually changed the rotation of the earth <laughs> for a while, and maybe it was permanently. It was like 50 megaton? Yeah. 500 megaton? Uh, it you was, know better than me. It was a, it was a beast um, that was done in... Uh, what was 70 something? I remember reading about it. I don't know. I'm just thankful. I mean, 
How stupid lucky are we that we had Reagan and Gorbachev be world leaders at the same time? Because if either one of them are switched, I don't think we end up where we are now. No. Or Kennedy. Uh, yeah, Kennedy. Cuban blockade. Kennedy was good on the Cuban blockade, but it's interesting when you read about how Reagan acted. Reagan talked tough, but he was a huge dove. I mean, even the people that when they took him in to do the test run with how you do the nukes, he told them no. He says, I'm not doing this. He says, I don't care if they launch on us. I'm not sending, you know, sending rockets back. Gorbachev at almost the same time was doing the same thing. Who is that? There's a, there's a, a um, submariner, uh, Russian. Mm. individual that, that refused the orders yeah. to set off mm -hmm. a, a missile during yep. the Cuban Missile Crisis. That guy saved the earth. Valinsky or something like that. There's yeah. a documentary on YouTube about the man who saved the world and it's about a Russian guy and he actually gets to come to America. He shakes uh, the hands of uh, who's the actor that plays and dances with wolves? Cosner. Cosner, yeah. And, and uh, it, it's a true story and, and I guess... His only flaw in the world was while this all was going down when he was supposed to launch nukes because their computer saw nukes coming at them. Yeah. He didn't, but he never documented it in his in his uh, SOP journal or whatever for the Russians, and they fired him because of that. But otherwise, he saved the planet from a, a false retaliation. And uh, it's, it's a great little documentary. It's on YouTube. It's free. I totally recommend everyone checking it out. Mm. Yeah, there are a handful of people like that, at the very least, that we know about, including this guy in a sub during the Cuban Missile Crisis that could have started World War III. Hmm. Uh, I hope you're right, that they never go off. I just I, I think mean, they're... I'm, I'm just, one, I don't think they're cost-effective anymore. Were they ever? In ideological I mean, maybe, warfare, yes. Okay. But I think now in uh, well one population advancement de demands more resources and we become fat and lazy and everyone needs electronics in their hands and grain in their bellies so i think i think resources is a huge commodity now and i think most wars we're going to see between major outfits will will be resource wars that's not to say like hamas is uh, the Hamas-Israel war is an ideological war. Could we see it during that? I'm sure. But right now, Russia Russia wants that land. They want that. They want that to build a freeway to the water, to be able to have a navy that can operate 365 days a year. They want that. They can't afford to lose that they if russia i don't think can afford to lose that for eight months i think it would economically destroy them because once you cross into winter that's their only way to kick grain out of their country and sell it that's the only way to bring in other resources they absolutely need to get that they can't provide for themselves which is why i don't think it's tenable but, so it's it's Russia that's causing global warming then. <laughs> two conspiracies together. Oh, so they've got ice-free ports. I think global warming 
Want a hot take? Sure, let's hear it. I think global warming is caused because governments fund scientists. Fair enough. Uh, I think global warming is in our fucking heads. Well, if we just pay some more taxes, we can make the world a better place. I remember 2012, there wasn't supposed to be a Florida anymore. How many of them? Taking us time. How many of those scientists and politicians went and bought land down there while they were saying it? I'm ignorant of all of that. How many trying to make banks? How many banks do you think a bank would give you a loan if they knew that that was going to go was away? Be underwater because okay. they can't repay that loan. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying governments love a cudgel they can a cudgel they can scare you with, maybe to give you. To make you give them more money, more authority, more rights over what you do. I remember California pushed pouring piss in diesels to clean it up. California pushed DEF, DEF, diesel exhaust fluid, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? You see it everywhere you go. Is that the blue stuff? DEF sold here. Well, they color some of it. It's urea is what it is. So I call it piss. Because if you ever used it, it smells like fresh hot piss right off a horse. Right now, California, the very state that coughed it down to everyone's throats is outlawing it because it kills bees. Somebody slow me down here. What in the world is going on? I don't know. Maybe, Uh, maybe just the, the just the ability to have the power, the ability to say, I made you do this is what is going on. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And certainly any issue that can be monetized is monetized. And I, I don't fault you at all for seeing uh, climate science as having monetized the crap out of that. Have you ever, uh, okay, take a minute whenever you get free time and look up the, let's go with the, the, the NATO call for scientists to study climate change and read what they ask them to do. They don't read them. They don't, it doesn't say do your research and find out if humans are causing global warming. It says, do your research to prove. And that right there is a call that scientists will find what you want because they want to get paid. Their departments require money. It doesn't grow on a tree in the quad. And it's a corrupt system from the word go. Here's here's the common ground I think we can all find on that is I'd like to breathe clean air. Maybe sure. we can find a better way of getting from here to there than throwing all the exhaust out of all the uh, engines that are thrown out exhaust. And, and here in Salt Lake, and you guys suffer this out there, I'm sure as well, in the wintertime, the inversions are pretty boring. Mm-hmm. And if indeed humans are causing global warming, and I, and I realize there's there's intense debate on that, uh, well, let's just get rid of the exhaust and have clean air and see what happens. Do you remember New York a few months back when they when you couldn't see the building across the alley? Yeah, from, from you? the Canadian fires. Yeah. Mm, probably nature does that too. Probably inversions happen. And they just happen. So don't build a city where inversions happen. Don't build a city where an ancient lake reached a cataract, so built this natural wall that catches air. Don't build a city. Or don't live there. If they built a city there, find somewhere else to live. 
Yeah, you gotta live guys. Because Brigham river. Young got tired of traveling, so he said, this is the place. Yeah, some <laughs> of the Saints wanted to go on to, to uh, San Francisco. Yep. Uh, Aren't they glad they didn't? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've heard without the harsh conditions, they wouldn't have pulled together the way that they did. Hey, you know, there's lots of stuff to it, and I'm not. I'm not saying this to denigrate Mormons. I, I, my family's all Mormon. I, I. They're love members Mormons. of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, formerly known as the Mormons. Now. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's yeah. true. You're not supposed to say it, but you're not supposed to say retard I, either. I, and I call myself I, that nonstop. But. No, but look, this was uh, the Salt Lake Valley was a fertile valley at the time. They didn't know about inversions. They built a city. It was perfect. And yes, we are going to move past combustion as we currently know it. The DEF did one thing. DEF, uh, the regen systems in diesels made diesels run like crap. So, and then also Obama put down restrictions that diesels have to run this pure. So what happened is the diesel manufacturing companies um, went to the drawing board and made clean running diesels. Yeah, clean running diesels are amazing. They are, they are just amazing. And so a lot of good thing happened. It was a leap forward, even though it was done at the point of a gun. It was still a leap forward. Do I think we'll move towards electric cars and things like that? I do. I think we will end up there, but. Are we ready now to end up there? No, there is not enough lithium on this planet to replace our automobiles. There is not. And, and the power grid's not sufficient to be able to charge more than a couple of cars in a neighborhood. Sure, mm-hmm. we don't have to go that um, far. Look at, you know how France replaced just their their city taxis with electric cars? I did not know that. They did that eight years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. Wow. There is a junkyard full of these cars that they can't crush, they can't recycle, it is a hazardous waste, and it is hundreds of acres of electric cars. And you can go online and look at it, and and it it is shocking. Well, last time I was in France, in Paris, a couple months ago, there were no electric taxis. They were all on strike, so people were doing Uber. (laughs) But no, but uh, do I think we're going to head that way? Yes, I think we are. We just got to figure out how to get there. And we're not going to figure it out. I mean, what do you think the death toll would look like if we followed Greta Thunberg's advice? Starvation. Um, I would guarantee, guarantee in less than a year, half the population gone. In one month, anybody, anybody you know that's on insulin, gone. Yeah. Yeah. Just to put uh, it in perspective. Th- by the way, do you think Diesel was murdered? Do I think Diesel? Diesel was murdered. He was on a transatlantic oh. voyage. Mm. The, the heavy petroleum guys didn't want farmers I've never to be looked able to make into their that. own fuel. You're a conspiracy guy. Look into that one. That's uh, a good I, I one. Think he, I think he was. I think it was It was heavy oil. It was anti-having farmers being able to grow their own fuel, right? And mm. so we went with gasoline, not diesel. Also, oh, I forgot the other one. Oh, thorium reactors. Thorium oh, reactors. We could, we could have heavy salt. salt. You know who opposed having clean energy? Was the left in the mm. 70s. All the anti-nuke stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it, the reason we have these shaky reactors is we wanted to take the, the spent fuel and turn it into plutonium, right? 
We could have had heavy salt reactors, clean fuel, and a fail-safe. They just shut down. Uh, and instead, we've got 500-some-odd Fukushima-ish, not all that safe, nuclear reactors around the world. And there's several dozen along the Mississippi River that if the new Madrid fault ever goes off, we will split the nation in half with a radioactive, uninhabitable zone. Not from nuclear weapons, but from our primitive reactors that were misdesigned in order to help create uh, weapon-grade plutonium, uh, where they could have been heavy salt-based. If we want to have clean fuel, charge all those cars, and then, yeah, how do you dispose of the spent lithium? It's a nightmare. But I think we're on the verge of a breakthrough to a uh, environmentally friendly type of replacement battery, if what I'm reading out of MIT is right. Um, anyhow, it's a mess. So, let, you know, here's what I'd love. People in Tooele that are like, hey, the Republicans just going to run for re-election. I've got as good a chance of getting elected as the Democrat or any other candidates. <laughs> you know, well, we talked to her. I, 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 well, look, she's a perfectly fine lady, but when her judgment on the Bill of Rights was because it was written by white men, that's no argument that uh, I see as sane at it's all. Racist. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 another at any rate uh you know the con i don't defend the constitution people say are you a constitutionalist i'm like no i i prefer it as amended with the bill of rights mm -hmm. that i i can come around to but you know have black people counted as five eighths is an unfortunate part of our history it's, it was, it's, well it was three fifths and it, everyone gets that wrong can i go three down fifths, another not five eighths yes three fifths and can i go down another history lesson where, of that where did i get that wrong did i make that up yes please do you know why? Do you know who wanted to call them three fifths? People wanted and why? them counted at all. Right? The slave owners, yes, wanted them counted on their census towards having getting more, more representatives in Congress. More mm -hmm. everyone looks at it as they were trying to take away part of them, but so no, the, the the slave owners said. No, no, you've got to count all these humans here. Of course, the slave owners, shady bastards, didn't consider them human except when they wanted to gain power off of them. And so the compromise was, okay, you know, the, the, the Whigs at the time were like, you guys are rotten, we don't like you, but we don't want to call them not human also. Yeah. So we'll call them three-fifths of a human. It was the anti-slavery people gave in to the three-fifths. It's wild. And that, that's a good example of how our government uh, has existed since, the, since it was incepted. Every little bit of cave-in that they provide is a path forward towards a little bit more tyranny that we get. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to continue on that cycle until something happens. I don't know what it could be. But something will happen because every step forward, we're caving in just a little bit more. We're giving away our freedoms just a tad bit harder. And we're going to get what we deserve as a people. It was Ben Franklin who said, uh, those who would trade liberty for the illusion of security deserve neither. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't even know if it's deserve. It's more like a statement of natural law. He should anyway, have said, I, I, we'll receive neither. Yeah, well, from who? Mm -hmm. uh, Liberty is one of those negative rights that you create for yourself yep. and don't. It's your, pretty much your choice. Uh, back to aliens. Yeah. So if they are here, 
if they've managed to get here, if they have some kind of technology that can be used to travel superliminally or somehow across time and space, uh, it means they haven't used it to blow themselves or others up, right? So, so you're people not... who have access to uh, great technology and use it uh, have to have the non-initiation of aggression principle as a core value, or they can't mm. be here. So Do they you find that reasonable. So one way or another, they broke through either the Fermi paradox or the Great Filter. Either the Great so, Wall or the Great Filter. Sure. So so either they defeated their adversaries in route or maybe the great filter is that great learning lesson that hey um it's more expensive to trade lead than it is to trade grain yes maybe they're not enlightened they're just observant and come mm -hmm. to the same conclusion as the most enlightened wise kind might so that, said, or worst case scenario, they're a hive mind. They all think alike, and they're just going to absorb well, us into in their case, big I'm, cube. In that case, I'm out. In my idea of prepping, if the cosmos is full <laughs> of evil aliens, and what if and they're not humanity. evil? What if they're not evil? What if they're just a consumer? Is is a termite evil? If I'm if I'm food, then all I need to prep is is a bottle of cyanide. That's all. <laughs> I, I don't need bullets to defend my food. I don't want to shoot people. I don't have to stay awake all night or friend. You know, I'm gonna find people I trust to take turns guarding our food. It's just a horrible thing to imagine. But what I said at, at I went to the 2008 X conference in Washington D.C. That's where I first met. Ed Mitchell, the sixth man to walk on the moon, who said he'd been privileged enough to be briefed on our reverse engineering programs. Ed, by the way, comes back from the moon on Apollo 14, and they do ticker tape parades, eventually gets to his hometown. Want to tell me where Ed Mitchell, the sixth man to walk on the moon, what was his hometown he went to for a ticker tape parade? What was it? Roswell, New Mexico. He grew up really? there. And then he had, he had people come to him and say, I was friends with your dad. Uh, this is according to Ed Mitchell, and you can find YouTube video of him saying it. I don't believe I'm misquoting, misrepresenting. Uh, I was friends with your dad, Ed, and they told me if I ever talked about 1947, you know, Ed, that weren't no weather balloon. They told me uh, they'd kill me if I said that. Uh, that was an alien craft. And Ed was like, what? But person after person after person, uh, people in that community who were, who were uh, senior dad in age. So he goes knocking around the Pentagon. And eventually they read him into a part of the program. This is what, and he also has a PhD from MIT. So Dr. Ed Mitchell, sixth man to walk on the moon, is saying that. I met him in person there. I had a great conversation and, and uh, he thanked me and said, you know, is there anything else you, you, you'd like? And I you know, got his autograph and his books. And I said, would you give me a hug? I, I just like to hug one of the guys that walked on our moon. And he was like, your best uncle. I got to tell you this too. And actually, there's a video out there of me uh, telling this story, and I conflated it a bit on purpose. I, I made it as if it was Buzz Aldrin and at Sundance. So I've also met Buzz at the Sundance Film Festival. But at the X conference, Ed Mitchell gave the keynote speech, and Steve Bassett had crammed so many people in that ballroom for that dinner, they literally took the stairs away from the stage. So it was a really big step to get up on the stage. Ed gets done, and I'm sitting there right there by the stage, and inflexibly, I stand up to help Ed Mitchell off the stage, and he says, thanks, Joe. And I said, you're welcome, Ed. I know that was one long step for a man. <laughs> <laughs> so that one time I thought of the right thing, I didn't think of it oh, later. Oh, dude, that's so, coming out of the back 40 with a good one. 
it was, it was everybody laughed he looked at me like he wanted to kill me but i actually met uh buzz aldrin at sundance uh, in front of a flight of stairs and i tried to use that same line again but they asked for our favorite testimonials and i i sort of mixed the two stories together anyhow uh what was my point so i'm at the x conference in D.C., and I'm on a panel of exopolitical activists. This was the weekend that the Libertarian Party in Utah said, we'll let Joe run, even if he's doing the alien thing. <laughs> uh, and um, um, I said, you know, and I, I want to see if you guys agree, if you imagine the cosmos and the trillions of galaxies and the uncounted hundreds of trillions of stars, I am absolutely confident that there are zero Republicans and zero Democrats anywhere in the cosmos, except for on this one backward planet. But if they are here, that means they have the non-aggression principle as a core value. Otherwise, they would have self-destructed in the long arc of history. And if they have non-initiation of aggression principle as a core value, then they're libertarians. And the only place in the cosmos where there aren't enough of them is right here and right now. And I'm looking forward to meeting him. That's a very optimistic and meant to be kind of fun way of getting people thinking about the issue. Give me liberty or give me death is not a choice. It's a statement of natural law and the long mm -hmm. arc of history. Without liberty, we all starve to death. We're dead and we're doomed. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why I fight for that liberty, including the ideal of having open borders where people are free to travel. I mean, you wouldn't want the government tell you you can occupy this one square foot. So we're okay with it saying you can occupy this one nation, but not that one over there. Yeah, kind that of. That I'm sympathetic to. But no, you can't let people in. Or the nation doesn't exist within a few, I don't know, hours, uh, if you also have a welfare state. On well, and I would also argue as a libertarian, it would be much easier. If, if our nation was ran libertarian-like, for 10 years and stayed out of other countries' business and formed uh, economic alliances and things like that, we'd no longer need to control our borders because we wouldn't be out there making any, because like you, uh, just this year, numbers according to the uh, uh, border control whatevers, reported, yeah. reported, captured, People at the border on the terror watch list. How many? 175, wow. I think. That's just this year, and that's well, people we caught. That's a big list. We catch, what is it, 12%, 14% of people that come across? So uh, if we was to expand that number. A couple of thousand. It's a lot to chew uh, on. And when are they going to act? When, when are they going to do something? Hopefully here? they're not all from the same bad guy team. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would hate to see it that if we had a couple thousand that were all motivated you know, and planning together. I would like to, I would hope that if that is the case, they're spread out like we've got some. Yeah, you got me wondering, though, how big is this terror watch list now? Like, all right, if you caught 170 of them coming across the border. Well, yeah. How what, big, what, what, what out of, out of what? What we'll put you on the terror watch list? You I'm like, probably on it as a result of this interview by now. Um, <laughs> well, if you don't pay your taxes up to $60,000 or something like that, they pull your passport and put you on a list of uh, no un fly. Unless you're like a, a, a part-time anchor on CNN or 
you know, uh, a person who goes from company to company, making them uh, kneel in fealty to your uh, your ethnic uh, diversity training. But if you know, so for the two or three listeners to the left, six hours into this interview, wherever <laughs> we are. I, I would say I, I haven't even said the website yet. That's yes, ridiculous. give us your website. Uh, give us your give us your last spill. We're not going to keep you much longer. I'm enjoying it. I can go for another hour. Uh, dude, my like, wife can't. I'm going to reach out. <laughs> I'm having you on my other show because this I'm, is a I'm, fun talk. I'm not stopping. I was a college professor. I just guest lectured at Snow College, and I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed it. I, I really had a little bit of PTSD about resigning tenure, uh, and that's a whole other story. But www.utahjoe.vote. Joe puts Utah first. It's not that complicated. You can remember this. Joe puts Utah first, Utah Joe, then go dot vote. And a vote for me is, is not a vote for somebody who's going to go to Congress and you know, likely be elected, get you stuff. I'm not going there to dig into the pile of gold under Capitol Hill and give it out more fairly, which is what people seem to think happens. No, a vote, a vote for uh, Utah Joe is a vote to say, hey, let's get rid of the non-disclosure agreements, especially about the ETs. And, and if there's evidence of that here, the recognition we're not alone in the cosmos might cause us to stop some of the spending on war and violence and start looking skyward and say, what's it going to take for us to be invited to join that community? And I, I got to believe it's a libertarian one. Uh, that's more my religion than my politics there. I just have this aspirational hope that if there are beings out there that are traveling the cosmos, uh, they haven't gone to war with each other. Because in the long arc of that, it's suicide, right? Mm -hmm. And Earth is on the verge of that, in, in my view. Maybe we can get the nukes taken apart, but, but boy, the drone wars sound a lot like that documentary I saw called Terminator 2. Um, that's, that's what I, so here's the deal. Vote for uh, Joe Bookman and you're voting for a comedian because it's time we had a little fun with this crazy or send a message. I mean, wouldn't it be great to see you know, the area around Tooele just send a message that we got some NDAs out here and we want to get rid of them. Why did that guy get so many votes out there? Well, maybe there's something important that those people know they need to share. I'll also tell you this. It's a heavy burden to carry those NDAs. This is hard on those people. We should respect them. We should honor them. Uh, we, should, we should see them as patriots who did their duty, no matter the cost. But, but I think I've been around enough of them now, and I've talked to others who have, that, that those guys are carrying a pretty significant burden. And, and maybe being released from the prohibition on talking about it would help them as well. These are all good things. Or at least out from under the burden of having a... A uh, criminal charge laying off yeah. if they accidentally talk about it. It's a threat on the family. I mean, when you're talking about pulling your uh, your wages oh. of retirement away from your wife and children if you yep. die or something, that's you know that's pretty draconian threat. I, I, I've had it told to me lose the health care and the pension benefits and go to a mm -hmm. place worse than Leavenworth. But well, wasn't it wasn't it our first uh, Secretary of Defense? What was his name? Uh, Forrestal. Forrestal. James Forrestal. Uh, committed suicide by yeah. being pushed out of a window. Yeah, jumping out of the window at the hospital. You know, yeah. uh, he, he, he was But I want to I end up with this. 
Who had on their bingo card for 2023 <laughs> being the year that UFOs, because no, no bullshit, regardless of what you believe, this is the year that that talking about UAPs, UFOs, aliens, Zetas, whatever, is in Congress hearings, in Senate hearings, on your regular news. It is everywhere. Whether you believe it or not, it is becoming a thing that is, yep. it is the year for it. And who had that on their bingo card right now? If, if we believe Lou Sando, something significant is happening in the first half of 2024. I, I don't know. I, I certainly believe by 2025, if this issue isn't fully acknowledged as legitimate in the field for scientific research and by the way you have abby Loeb at harvard walking yeah. in john Mack's footsteps you got gary nolan over at stanford serious scientists people with phds that do real work far far beyond what i did with mine uh taking this issue seriously very seriously nolan's studying those metamaterials and the, the layering of stuff abby's out there saying that we've already had an extraterrestrial spaceship come around the sun and head back out of our our solar system uh, and um, uh, he thinks it was, you know, some something technologically based. It accelerated it as it was leaving, which was extraordinary. Uh, that's Project Galileo. Um, there's some stuff happening, and it's an exciting time. So what are you going to have on your bingo card for next year? If UFOs should have been on the bingo card for 2023, is uh, an extraterrestrial being interviewed by... Uh, I don't know. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg on the View going to happen in 2020. God, I hope not. Don't Just send to be her. Be as extreme. Don't Just send her. We have Joe Rogan. Do not okay. send Whoopi Goldberg. We have Fine. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan needs to be our ambassador to the unknown. If we meet Bigfoot, Joe Rogan is the guy who chats with it. If we meet aliens, if we meet demons, if we, I don't care. You send your best asset, Whoopi Goldberg is the opposite well, you, you of know that. she's got a zipper it's like it's like arnold schwarzenegger in uh, total recall when he gets to <laughs> mars and the thing comes off and then we'll see but i was <laughs> the, trying the lizard the comes out no that's clinton anyways <laughs> or the queen now we're really getting into it no the um, queen was sent no, back seriously, home. seriously seriously i'm doing what i can to create a world of peace no that's i all. I like it. I, I like that message. You know, I do have fears of what's coming up because um, as I dig into conspiracy theories, I start you, 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 you read about stuff like um, the study the government and John Hopkins and Harvard did prior to our latest uh, pandemic. And you're like, it's almost it, it, it's too coincidental. There's a great book about the pan uh, pandemic of uh, 1917 mm -hmm. and how the media misrepresented the science, how the government had its own agenda. They didn't want people being afraid of gathering in groups because they were trying to sell war bonds and recruit people to the war. What we did to GIs during World War One, uh, we knew they were uh, that the, the, the pandemic was happening. Yeah, we crowded them on ships. And when the ship arrives, you know, they're, they're sick and a lot of them are dead. 
this was done by the government of the United States 105 years ago, right? I'm, uh, Read this that book is my, on the 17 pandemic. This is my shock to that the U.S. government killed its citizens' face. I hope it looks significantly shocked to you. But, well, we, we'd hand out syphilis to, to black people just to see what it would do. It mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me if we'd make a, a virus no, in Wuhan. We, we told we we handed out vitamins. Yeah, right? we we, we did, nobody told them it was syphilis. We told them we handed out the cure to syphilis while um, giving them syphilis. We didn't give it to them. No, we let them catch it naturally. Yeah, we just told them we were curing it. I see. While we were studying what it did, uh, but I believe it was in Ghana that we did even worse. But. Looked that up at a different date and time. I don't know. But my point was, what we did in 1917 around that pandemic, we didn't do anything like it this time. No, 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 no. Nope, not at all. Not at all. Bad soup. No, it was was a power grab. It was all of that. But thank God we didn't give up our weapons like the Australians did because they had concentration camps. I don't care what they call it. If you're forced to go live inside a chain link fenced off area, that is a concentration camp. And now you've come back around to the libertarian position on open borders. Just because it's bigger doesn't make it mm-hmm. moral, right? Mm. I think I did the best job I've ever done on articulating libertarian view of, of, of border policy. Yep. But you also don't allow people with uniforms and guns to come across, well, right? I think Good grief. if I was to lay it out, libertarian policy, I think in order to reach the ideal border situation for a non-aggression uh, world, we have to first live like we're a non-aggression nation right. for a period of time to achieve the non-aggression border policy. And until that's met, we have to do the steps getting to that place. That, that's why we say when one person uh, doesn't have liberty, nobody does. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Everybody has. Everybody gets to have liberty. Everybody gets to have uh, the negative rights that are God-given, natural from birth, with zero positive rights. And the only thing I would add to that is an advocation for and encouragement of uh, uh, private charitable acts. Uh, I don't want to live in a world where one child starves. That, that's not a world where people have liberty e- either. Uh, but government's the worst of all possible solutions <laughs> to that. It causes far more than it cures. And it causes us to blank out and say we don't have a responsibility to care for each other. I, and that's I, the yeah. name. If there's a pure evil, it's that. We do. It's called government love. Gets, Everybody gets to be clothed. Everybody gets to be housed. Everybody gets to be educated. But nobody gets to do that by forcing another to, to work to make it happen because of that eventually in the long arc of history leads to starvation. That force diminishes the desire to be productive. And, and in this nation today, and I saw it in higher education as well, you know, if you're, if you're productive, if you're talented, you're condemned. Uh, and the needy are somehow in a contest to see who can be the biggest victim, and that's how you win the game. Right? Yeah. You know what? We need to... Uh, okay. I've got to let you go because Dave is wiggling because his wife wants to talk to him. But Uh-oh. I want to... It's all right, Joe. I could chat Wouldn't with be you my for, first time. Literally, I could pull off six hours with you easy because there's all these subjects I, I'd like to dig into, but I want to... You know, you're welcome back on anytime. We'll lay that out. But I'm also going to reach out to you. 
I want to try to get you on uh, my other show I do. Where we yeah, can, I'd love to. Where we can just go hog wild and there's no political pressure on it. But uh, In the meantime, try to get me elected. And, and yeah. then I'll just close with this. What we just articulated is a vision of the earth of peace and prosperity and flourishing, right? That's what we all want for everybody. We're not uncaring you know, jerks who just want it for ourselves and that's how libertarians are seen or fiscal conservatives. Are seen. No, no, I want a planet that's flourishing and that's how you get there. And here's the, here's the ending point. If there's advanced life in the cosmos and it's not that, just not interested. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. If it evolves into something else that's a big beehive of tyranny, I'm ready to see what's next. No, I, I believe that's the case, that over the long arc of, of, of sentient beings looking at what's good and, 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 and life affirming, that that's where you get to eventually. And we're either going to get there or we're going to or we're, or we're going to destroy ourselves. Give me liberty or give me death again. It's a statement of natural law. Without liberty, it's death. And I, I get the three of us are aligned on that. Hopefully, every progressive is aligned on that. Uh, everybody who desires good for anyone else, when they see what works and the moral foundation under it, has got to come to that conclusion. And then there's a few people out there that apparently just want us all dead. I don't get it. Uh, and, and we got to deal with them such that they suffer the consequences of that kind of behavior as well. Let's get there and do what we can with your podcast and run for office or do whatever you're called to do to join in that fight. It's all that really matters on your brief life on Earth. The yeah. end. I like it. Good closing, everybody. And the crowd goes wild. So, Joe Buckman um, website is utahjoe.vote. Go read the section on whistleblowing. I reveal a lot of things about my own work as a whistleblower over many, many years. It's the most autobiographical, revealing, transparent thing I've written. Uh, there's another issue I'm working on that didn't come up. I won't bring it up now. But check out the website. It's only about three pages of stuff. Take you about 15 minutes. And let me know what you think. I think it's clever to put dot .vote on the end. It's, Dude, uh, I like it. I, I like, like it. it. Yeah. Did That's you make the one. website yourself, Joe? It's a nation builder. I've done it before. I initially had, <laughs> since you asked, and I know your wife's gone. Initially, the last time I ran, I did go to L.vote. I was telling everyone in Utah, dump the D's, reject the R's, and go to L with me. And I know it sounds like go to hell, but I checked with some Mormon friends of mine. No, that's, on a, that, uh, Mormons like saying frick and frack. And, yeah. So, no, that's a, that's a good play. So, uh, the dot .vote domain came out, I think, in 2015. It was cheap, and, and now it's become the place that a lot of political figures uh, move to. Our Utah County Commissioner is Amelia.vote, but I can't do just Joe. Joe.vote didn't work, mm. but I like Utah Joe. Well, there's probably, there was probably a race to that one, but Utah Joe, I think, is a good spin, putting Utah first, humming, humming. Um, it's a little like UFO Joe.vote. UFO Joe. Joe. How would that have been? You could literally, you know what? You could have leaned right into the UFO voting thing uh, in the circles I run in. People would have voted for you. They don't care about your politics if you're posing a UFO thing. You could have come out with ridiculous politics. They would have voted for you on that basis I, alone. I wanted to do it. I got a lot of advice not to do it, but I own uh, Utah4Joe.vote because you can take Utah 
F and the four and the O and Joe and make it a UFO thing. Dude. I played around with a bunch of stuff. Where were you when I needed you as a campaign manager? Uh, no, you don't want me anywhere near politics. I'm telling you right now, I'm dumb and I'm crazy. Don't put me near it. That's why he's a podcaster. That's why I'm a podcaster. All right, we said goodbye five minutes yeah. ago. We probably hey. should put a ribbon on it. Joe, have a good night. Everyone remember, veterans, you got a dinner, uh, breakfast on Saturday at uh, St. Marguerite's Church on the on the uh, east end of Vine. Up there as you're heading up Middle Canyon. Get up there, hit it. And if you know a veteran that you love and want to have a quilt donated to them, um, you're going to, you're going to, Reach out, go into the show notes, uh, wherever you got to go. Um, I'm going to call out the name right now. Cindy Kirk, C-Y-N-D-I-E-K-I-R-K, Cindy Kirk. And, of course, her link will be in the show notes. But put put their name in there. It's a good thing to, to do for our veterans and everything else. Joe, thanks again. Outstanding thank you. chat. And, and thank you, Army. Thank you, Air Force. Thank you for your service. Hey, really, well. thank you. Uh, and God bless you. Yeah. And you know, if I'm wrong about World War III, you won't be around to tell me you told me so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point. We can all make all the predictions, but it doesn't matter in the end. All right, Joe, have a good night. Um, good luck on the run. I will be reaching out to you uh, real soon for some other chats.